Would you pray with me, please? Father God, we are grateful. We are grateful so much for today. We are so, Father, so amazed by your grace, by your love for us, by your majesty. We are grateful to you, Father, for loving us, for drawing us to you, for caring, and for pouring so much grace upon us. We worship you, Father God. We worship you. We worship you with angels and archangels. We worship you with with all that is on earth and heaven. We worship you and acknowledge you to be our God. And I ask that you would speak to us today and guide us in all truth. We praise you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. May I invite you to open your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of John. There are uh, Bibles in your pews in front of you, but there's also the insert in your bulletins. And you may even have Bibles in your phones or your iPods or whatever, uh, just so that you can follow with me. And let the Word of God speak to you today. I will just be pointing out the way, but it is the Word of the Lord that needs to speak to us. So please pay attention to the reading of the gospel this morning. Uh, John chapter 10, beginning with the 22nd verse. John 10, verse 22. The first thing we are told as this uh, portion of Scripture opens is we are told that it is the Feast of the Dedication. The Feast of the Dedication. And uh, this is probably a feast you haven't heard much about. We have heard of Passover. We have heard of Pentecost. We have heard of Tabernacles. We have heard of so many other feasts. But I don't know how many of you would be able to tell me uh, what this feast is actually celebrating. The Feast of Dedication. The Feast of Dedication celebrated the rededication of the temple by Judas Maccabees sometime around 165 B.C. After Alexander the Great died, he divided his entire empire into four regions. Two, one was Greece, another one Macedonia, one was in Syria, and then the last one was all of Egypt, what is called the Ptolemy Empire in Egypt. Well, sometimes these different kings of these different areas would fight each other for dominion of more territory. And there was one particular king in Syria 
by the name of Antiochus IV Epiphanes, who really was not a good guy. He went and attacked Egypt, but he was repelled from Egypt. And on his way back to Syria, he was under the control of the Jerusalem area, the Israelite area. And out of real evil intent in his heart, he decided to go and enter into the temple and possibly place in the temple a statue with his face on it. And his, his demonic activity actually went to the point where he ripped through the curtain of the Holy of Holies, and he entered into the tabernacle inside, and he actually sacrificed a pig on the altar of God. His intentions were really extremely offensive. His intentions were with the desire of demeaning Israel, of offending the God of Israel, of demonstrating the power that he held. Well, that brought about what we know as the Maccabee Revolt where the Maccabees, which were a family of several children, raised up a great army and started fighting against these Greeks that were in control of Syria, the people of Antiochus IV. When one of them died, the next one rose up. And almost all of them died, and one of the last ones to rise up was this man named Judas Maccabee. This was between the Old Testament and the appearance of John the Baptist. What we call the intertestamentary period of about 400 years. Well, Judas Maccabees was able to repel Antiochus and his forces out of Israel. And then he went ahead and rebuilt much of the altar, put a new stone on it, did a, uh, you know, a number of things, and on a particular day, he rededicated the temple to the glory of God. And that's what this feast represents. The feast of the rededication of the temple, the purifying of the temple, the purifying of the Holy of Holies. This happened at around 165 B.C. Now we take a leap to Jesus' time, and we're looking at about 29 to 30 A.D., very early on in the, in the ministry of Jesus, 29 or 30 A.D., 31 A.D., and Jesus is at the temple celebrating this great feast. John also tells us that it is winter. And the reason that he tells us that it is winter is that this feast is generally toward the end of what we call December. In the Jewish calendar, that's more or less where it fell, but the name of the month is different. But it's toward the end of December. 
And John very specific tells us what the occasion was, where Jesus was, that it was winter. And he also tells us that Jesus was in the temple as the celebration was taking place in the portico of Solomon or the gate of Solomon. The gate of Solomon was at the very, it's the first gate through which you enter the temple. When you enter the temple through the Solomon gate, the first thing you find is the court of the Gentiles. That's how far the Gentiles were allowed to come. These were Gentiles, non-Jews, who were worshippers of Jehovah God, of Yahweh, the Jewish uh, monotheistic God. But that's as far as they could go. Beyond the court of the Gentiles was the court of the women. Beyond the court of the women, and this is the court of the Jewish women. No other female could go past this court. Beyond that was the court of the Jewish men. And beyond that is where the priest would go. And beyond that is the Holy of Holies at the bottom, which the priest could enter, the, the, the high priest could enter but once a year. Jesus is at the very entrance of the temple, surrounded by Gentiles and by Jewish worshipers. And it is at this point that some of the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, approach Jesus with a challenge. They say to Jesus, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, if you are the Messiah, if you are the promised one of the Jewish people, the promised one of God, the anointed of God, if you are the one we've been waiting for, tell us plainly. Jesus' response basically is, I told you already. I told you once, twice, three times, four times. The problem is that you don't believe what I'm telling you. I've told you repeatedly in numerous ways, in different ways, but you choose to ignore my words. So Jesus says, if my words are ignored, then look at the works that I do. I told you and you do not believe, look at the works that I do. Who else is doing these kinds of things? Who else teaches the Word of God like I teach the Word of God, with the authority with which I teach? Who else has the power ministry that I have? Who else heals the sick? Who else raises the dead? Who else gives sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf? Who else turns water into wine? Who else causes the lame to walk? If you don't want to believe what I am saying to you, then look at the works that I do. They bear witness as to who I am. Who else is fulfilling Scripture the way I fulfill the prophecies and the promises of God? And at that point, Jesus begins a teaching that we all need to pay a lot of attention to. And I'm going to go 
It's all, all there in the gospel. You can read it. I'm just going to point it out to you because I want to get to something else. But there are three things we can tell about Jesus from this passage in John 10. Three things that are really clear. One is that Jesus says that he is the Messiah. He does not shy away from it. He says, I have told you. I am the one that Israel specs. I am the one that fulfills the word of God. I am the one. I am the Messiah. That is clear in this passage. I told you so. You just don't believe me. The second thing that is clear about Jesus is that Jesus is one with the Father. One with the Father. In verse 30, as it ends, uh, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Jesus is not meaning that we are one in thought. Jesus is not meaning that he is one with the Father in purpose. He does not mean that he's one with the Father in mission. Although all of those could be true. When Jesus says that he's one with the Father, he's talking in the context that if no one can snatch the sheep away from the Father, so no one can snatch it from him because he and the Father are one and no one can take any sheep away from either of them. Jesus is making a statement, not just that he is in the same missionary mind as the Father, but that he and the Father are one in essence, in authority, in being. He and the Father are one. In fact, later on in John, he also makes the statement, He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say to me, Thomas, show us the Father? And he also says, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Jesus' words are very, very clear as to who he is in relationship to the Trinity. He is one, not just in thought or purpose or missionary uh, fervor. He is one in equality with the Father. He's one in divinity with the Father. He is one with the Father. Two persons. The Father is one, the Son is another. But in essence and being, they are one and the same. They share the same divinity like all of us share the same humanity. No matter what we look like or where we come from, we all share one essence, humanity. We are all the same when it comes to our humanity. So the Father and the Son are one. If you've seen one, you've seen the other. If you receive one, you receive the other. If you reject one, you reject the other. You cannot have the Father without the Son, or the Son without the Father, or either of them without the Spirit. And the third thing we know in this passage about Jesus 
is that he's the shepherd of the sheep. He's the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is the one who is the caregiver of his people. He's the shepherd of the sheep. He is the leader of the sheep. He is the lover of the sheep. He is the protector of the sheep. He's the one that guides them. He's the one that protects them. He's the one that cares for them. He's the one that leads them to green pastures. He's the one that leads them to living waters. He's the one. Jesus is the shepherd of all who come to him and all for good. Therefore, there will be no tears as we read in Revelation. Because the shepherd cares for the sheep. We can preach a whole sermon in each one of these. But I want to go to the next point that we learn from this passage. The sheep in relation to the shepherd. The sheep in relation to the shepherd. We are told in this passage that the sheep, that is you and I, we belong to the shepherd. We belong to the shepherd. Folks, we are Jesus' sheep. He is our shepherd. He is our Lord. And we are in good hands when the shepherd is in charge. We are blessed when the shepherd looks after us, no matter what situations may be in life. We belong. We're not on our own. We belong to the shepherd. The second thing we get from this passage is the sheep, you and I, we belong to a family, which is called the body of Christ, the church, the herd of sheep. We belong, no matter what denomination, we belong to one body. We belong to one family, the family called by the name of God the Father. We are Christians in the name of Jesus. We belong to a family together. We are indeed brothers and sisters. The next thing that we find in this passage is that the sheep, you and I, hear and recognize the shepherd's voice. We hear, those that belong to Jesus can hear the voice of the shepherd and respond. The other thing we find here is that the sheep, you and I, are known by the shepherd personally and individually. I mean, how many of you, it doesn't matter how many pets you have, you don't recognize each of them and call them by name and they know who you're talking to. They know which one you're talking to. You know which one you're calling. The shepherd knows each one of you by name. He knows each one of you has always known you and will always know you. He knows your past, your present, and your future. And he still says, I will shepherd you. The sheep, you and I, 
are known by our shepherd by name. He knows our heart. He knows our minds. The sheep that is you and I, we follow the shepherd and we obey his voice. We follow. I mean, what's the point of hearing the owner of the sheep calling and we don't come? What's the point of these people hearing Jesus say that he's Messiah and yet they still choose not to come? He who hears the voice of the Lord comes to the Lord and obeys the voice of the Lord. The sheep that is you and I, according to this passage in John 10, receive eternal life. Because that's what Jesus does. He gives us life eternal. The other thing that we're told in this passage is that the sheep, you and I, shall never perish. Shall never perish. The sheep that belongs to this shepherd will be protected no matter what you go through in life. You will never perish. You will never disappear. You will never go into oblivion. You will never die forever. You will receive life in eternity. You will not cease to be. You will live forever. And the other thing that I find in this passage is that the sheep, you and I, can never be snatched from the shepherd's hand. No situation, no illness, no enemy, no natural catastrophe, no nothing this world can bring can ever take us from the hands of our shepherd. Nothing, or wolf, or false teacher, or false prophet, or anything in this world will ever separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can snatch you, because the shepherd is in charge. Nothing can take you away from your shepherd's hands. Nothing. Not death, not sword, nothing. Not angel, not demon, not Satan himself. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in your Lord and shepherd, Jesus Christ. Now all of this we can find in this passage. This assurance that we find in this passage. Now let me ask you, by just show of hands, how many of you would like to hear the voice of your shepherd with clarity? How many of you would love to hear the voice of your shepherd with clarity? Let me ask you another question, and you can show by show of hands. If you heard the voice of your shepherd with clarity, would you obey and follow him? Because that's really what we want to talk about now. 
I want to talk a little bit about how do we hear the voice of our shepherd. Because the reality is that we go through life hearing all kinds of voices, don't we? Doesn't make us paranoid, it just means that we all have committees in our heads. We have full loads of voices in our heads all the time telling us what to think about the person next to you. What to think about the person that just made the wrong turn. We have all kinds of voices constantly getting our attention. So how do we discern between the voice of God and the voice, some other voice? If the sheep of Jesus hear his voice and follow, how do we do that? First of all, let me begin at the very basic. The Bible is the Word of God. And all, pretty much all directions in our lives, we can find in Scripture. If you're a person who reads the Word, but chooses to ignore it, you will live without direction. If you're a person who reads Scripture, and you find in it the voice of your shepherd, leading you to eternal life, leading you to rivers of living water, leading you to abundant life, you will have the kind of life that you can only dream about. It's when we fight the Word of God that we stop living the way of life that is abundant. It is when we fight it, when we ignore it, when we decide that our way is better than a book. That's not a book. That is the Word of God written. Written through time by apostles and, and martyrs and, and, and prophets. It is the Word of God to give direction to our lives and the life of everyone who hears the voice of God and comes to Him. It is direction for living. It is direction for abundant living. It is direction. If you choose to listen to God speak to you through the Word of God, you will have direction, clear direction. And you just told me that you would obey if you heard with clarity. You can't get more clear than the Bible. But you have to read it. God has spoken to his people. God has shed his message with the world. God has spoken and it is for the people to listen. So the first way in which we can get the voice of the shepherd is through the reading of Scripture. The second is I want you to recognize, and I don't know how many of you have had the experience of hearing the inner voice of God speaking to you. That quiet, calm voice of God that speaks to us at time and in situations where we don't have time to go to the Bible. But we hear the promptings of God. We feel the thoughts. We get thoughts. We get impressions that God is leading us to all that is good. If you 
are the kind of person that is tuned to the Lord, you will hear those promptings, you will feel His presence, you will feel the guidance to answer in a particular way, to act in a particular way, because that way glorifies God and it's good. And you hear those promptings, that inner voice of the Lord at times speaking to us. In thoughts, impressions, sense of direction. You know, I hear these voices and, it, and, you know, I hear this inner voice of God and it's up to me to say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. Even if I don't understand why am I being directed to do something or to pray for someone in a particular direction. I may not know everything, but if I feel God is leading me to something that is good, great, beneficial to somebody and brings glory to Him, I will do it. And I'll see where it goes. I don't have to know it from the beginning. I just have to be obedient and let God have the glory and have the fruit of whatever that word was. My job is to be obedient. His job is to direct me. I don't know how many of you feel the Lord has indeed spoken to you at times. But you know what? He can do more of that if you allow Him and if you seek Him. How else can I hear the voice of my shepherd? Well, the gift of discernment. The gift of discernment, the reality is that we are going to be in, in situations at time where common sense will tell us which way to act, what to say, because God influences everything within us. Because the gift of discernment tells us, do it this way because it's God glorifying. Whatever the situation is, good and wrong, good and bad is written within your heart. And you know the difference of something you're going to do is to the glory of God or it's not. And if it is to the glory of God, do it. Situations will tell you, will guide you. You will experience a situation and you will ask yourself, how would Jesus deal with this person? How would Jesus deal with this situation? What would God want me to do? And if it is God glorifying and beneficial, do it. God gives us that ability to discern between right and wrong, good and evil, God glorifying and God offending. And we need to learn to say, I will not do it that way because this would glorify God better. Number four, there's nothing like experience, people. Nothing like experience and sometimes even trial and error. There are times you're going to get a prompting and you're going to check everything the way I'm telling you. And sometimes you're going to fall flat on your face. But nothing will teach you more about hearing the Lord than hearing the Lord over and over and over and over until you are really tuned and you begin to recognize the difference between the voices. But God will speak. But experience, experience grows 
like maturity. At the beginning you hardly believe you're hearing. But the more you obey and the more you obey and the more you try to be obedient, the more you grow in hearing. And the more attuned you become to the voice of your shepherd and the direction of God in your life. Nothing can beat experience except the Word of God which is objective and not subjective. Nothing beats having a relationship with Jesus, an intimate relationship, because if you are a person of prayer, you're more likely to hear. If you hardly ever pray, you're more likely to never hear. If you are likely to spend time quiet, seeking God, reading Scripture, asking Him help for help. If you are likely to seek God and pray and seek the truth and seek what's good, you are going to hear and you're going to feel the direction of God and the presence of God. And you will grow as a person who can hear your shepherd. And you will live a greater and abundant life. And you'll be a blessing to many. A lot of what I've learned about hearing God is from a book by Dallas Willard, especially called Hearing God. I highly recommend it. I read it many, many years ago and have even taught it to conferences and things. Hearing God. I highly recommend it. Dallas Willard says this, Certain factors distinguish the voice of God, just as any human voice can be distinguished from another. Certain factors distinguish the voice of God just as any human voice can be distinguished from another. He gives us three ways that we can identify the voice of God versus any other voice. One of the things he says is that the voice of God, there's a quality to the voice of God. There's a weight There is an impact in the Word of God that, you know what, I can read and I'm an avid reader and I love reading as much as I can, but nothing has the impact in my life than when I read Scripture. That book knows everything about me. That book causes me to stop in my tracks like no other book I read, as great as the book may be. The Bible has a way of speaking that penetrates to my soul. The voice of God carries weight. It carries, it, it, it's autosufficient. It has divine authority when it speaks to us. We can feel, we can sense it that this is from the Lord. Because it challenges us. It doesn't leave us where we were. It challenges how I feel I should treat somebody. In my humanity, I may want to say, I don't want to talk to that person. In, In the voice of God, it would say, if you want me to talk to you, you need to talk to her. You have to love as you are loved. You have to forgive. That challenges you like no other voice would challenge you. 
The voice of God, the quality of the voice of God is one that calls you to attention. The voice of God does not argue with you. The voice of God is self-authenticating and you feel it and you hear it and you know it's coming from the Lord. It's up to you to obey or not obey, but you know it and it's different from any other voice. The second thing that Dallas Willard says about the voice of God, one is that the quality of the voice of God. The second thing he says is the spirit of the voice of God. It is peaceful. It is gentle. And it leaves you with peace and gentleness. It never seeks to hurt you or destroy you. It speaks to your voice as a, as a loving parent would speak to a, to a child. It would give you a sense that you are in the presence of holiness, that you are in a holy place. You would want to take your shoes off because you're before, before the burning bush. The voice of God is gentle, it's soft, it's not always hard. And it speaks, but it penetrates. The spirit of the voice. And number three, he speaks about the content. The content of the voice of God. It leads. It, 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 it tells you things and it guides you. It guides you. It speaks truth. And the content is for glory. Those are the three things that Dallas Wheeler speaks about. If you want to differentiate one voice from another. The quality of the voice. The spirit of the voice, the intent of the voice, and the content of the voice. If all three match, you probably are hearing from the Lord. And lastly, let me say one other way that we need to be very aware of how to hear the Lord. is what I call ordinary and unusual. In fact, that I got from the book I had you all reading during Lent. Uh, Richard Foster's. Uh, on meditation. He, he speaks about that. You know, sometimes we can see God's presence and God's message and God's word in the ordinary things of life. In things that are normal. In being protected from an accident. In being caught before we fall. In the ordinary ways of life, that if we are aware enough, we know that God is with us through the ordinary things of life. That sometimes we're blind or we think it's just coincidence. But God is present in the ordinary things of our lives as well. And He speaks to us and He lets us know that He's with us no matter what. But there's also the unusual... Those miracles that happen in our lives, little and great. Those things that shouldn't be and yet are. That person that didn't really know that you were, that you needed money. Or you're at a restaurant and all of a sudden you go, oh my God, I forgot my money. And someone comes and says, it's okay, sir, I'll take care of it for you. I mean, those are unusual events that demonstrate how God speaks to one person to bless another. 
in the times that you yourself are, are moved to be of blessing to someone that you normally would not. Or perhaps you feel, you know what, I need more money than anybody else. And yet I've come upon these funds, I'm going to tithe from this money. The unusual ways in which God directs us and gives us peace and gives us a prompting and gives us a purpose. And we go beyond the limits that we would normally go because we know we're blessing God and blessing God's people. Our God is not a mute God. He's never been and He will never be. He wants to speak to us. And He speaks to us through these things. The Bible, the interior inner voice, the gift of discernment between what's right and what's wrong. The experience in hearing that grows us so that we hear better and better and better and are more aware of how God speaks at times. In a living relationship with Him and the ordinary and the unusual. If we just awaken to the fact that God wants to be in relationship with you. That He really, truly wants to give you a life like you never would be able to attain by yourself. That He loves you, that He cares because He's your shepherd. He will guide you today. But you need to be ready to obey when you hear the shepherd calling. When he talks to you, when you feel a prompting, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. You know, maybe at the beginning it'll be a small prompting. Be obedient. And you're going to see how much more often you get impressions. And you get the, the inner sense that God is directing you. And you hear and you listen. And the fruit of it is amazing. In you and in others. The sheep hear my voice. And they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. Would you hear the voice of the shepherd? Would you hear it? And then obey it. Obey it. And God will grow you. And use you. And God will be glorified in everything. Amen? Amen. Can you hear me today? Otherwise the sermon is going to be in the website. You can listen to it again. <laughs> Stand with me please.